Welcome to the One Broken Cog Podcast. Join John and Brian as they share small adjustments that lead to major impacts. One Broken Cog Podcast, back bigger and better than ever. We've got a lot of material to cover today, so I would like to jump right in and introduce our special guest, who is none other than David Summerfleck. Now, to give you some background on David, he's a retired digital marketing executive and business growth expert with over 20 years' experience working for marketing agencies and 10 years' experience as a certified small business mentor for SCORE, a division of the United States Small Business Administration. And some past clients include Microsoft, AOL Time Warner, Caribou Coffee, and hundreds of business owners across the country. Now, David's also the author of The Road to Digital Marketing Profits, available for sale at Walmart, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and Books A Million. David, it's great to have you on the show. Welcome to the One Broken Cog Podcast. It's great to be here. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I have to ask, how are you enjoying retirement? Um, you know, it's only been like in the last two years or so. And I'm very, very blessed. I can, you know, I'm very grateful for the opportunity, especially now with all the political chaos and the um, uh, COVID pandemic. And so I'm really lucky um, and very, very uh, grateful, you know, considering what's going on in the world right now. Right. No, I hear you. Now, I know that you're newly retired, right? So Yeah, that- it's only been like in the last two, maybe three years at the most. And, I, you know, when COVID first broke, basically, it did change, you know, what I had in mind. You know, the idea of going and speaking at events, whole, you know, teaching in-person workshops, those really aren't a great idea right now if you personally, you know, if you believe that COVID is real. And I always say that because I live in Florida and a lot of people still don't. So I always try to preface it, you know, with that when I talk about that. No, it's great. Why do so many weird people live in Florida? I don't know. You know, I don't know. That'd be a really good question for an expert in demographics. (laughs) I would, and I'm giving you a serious answer, uh, probably to a question where you weren't maybe 100% serious. But, you know, I I think it's because Florida, for the most part, is considered a tourist type of attraction or resort area. The whole state, I think, is considered that way and you have so many people who are transient you know meaning they, they come here and it's all seasonal i think that's a part of it so a lot of the weirdness is not rubbed off on you i i think a little bit okay great well maybe some of that weirdness will come out in the podcast we'll have to wait and see right yeah <laughs> just enough to keep me lively um you know whatever weirdness i have is was probably there before all of this Gotcha. So it didn't, it didn't amplify the weirdness. It just remained the same. Right. Or maybe your weirdness rubbed off on the other people in Florida, right? It would be a severe contagion then. <laughs> a different type of pandemic. Okay. So now, yes. <laughs> so David, you're newly retired. Like we talked about, was this due to Corona or is this because the space was so competitive? I mean, you know, it's, it's a young man's game. You just couldn't no. make it anymore. No, not at all. Um, no. Actually, the competitiveness is interesting, and I can get into that 
more if you want. But actually, I started this about two, maybe three years ago. I didn't really count the months, but it was about two, maybe three years ago. So it was before COVID. COVID, I think, has only been with us for how many months now? Six, six to eight, somewhere like that. And, and I very vividly remember being in a Costco with my wife and I was looking at the news, you know, scrolling through the news headlines on my phone. And I try to monitor, you know, trends more than anything as far as news is concerned. You know, what, what one person does or doesn't do doesn't really interest me so much as trends. So I was looking at trends and I saw this thing happening in China. And I saw a video footage of someone just falling over in the hospitals being overrun. And I showed it to my wife and I said, this is going to be here in about another month or so. You watch. They're not going to do a thing about it. We need to start stocking up on beans and rice. And she's like, come on, you're crazy. I said, no, we need to start getting this, you know, beans and rice right now. And we need to get a few N95 masks while we're at it. Because uh, this is going to be here a month from now. They're not going to do anything about it. You watch. And I was right. Hate to admit it. You're talking about and nationally so now, or in Florida? They didn't do anything about it nationally or, or just in Florida? Both. And, and I, I knew that was going to come here very, very quickly. And, and I knew that we would probably have a, a few weeks to a month before uh, it was, it was going to be here in a, in a real way. So, you know. That was um, an opportune time to be in Costco and stock up. So I'm really glad that we, you know, saw that when we did to, uh, to prepare. So now I actually have to, I have to watch my diet and I'm probably exercising more now than I was before. I feel sorry for uh, your wife, man. All that beans and rice, it could be explosive. Oh yeah. Man. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> so it could be some funky uh, experiences. Uh, but yeah, now you were asking me about the competitiveness. Yeah, the reason that you retired. Um, Maybe you're yeah. in lockdown, you decide, hey, you know what, let's no. just get out of this. No, actually, it was more of, I have a father who is older than me, of course. And we, we basically talked and he said, you know, I'd really like it if you could move down here and be closer. So I said, well, absolutely. You know, if, if that's how you feel, um, sure, you know, we can do that. We were actually, at that time, we were actually moving from Denver, Colorado, where I had been extremely active and uh, was working with a marketing agency and, you know, getting ready to do more freelance work. And we were moving from Denver to Atlanta because there's a lot of really, really great companies in Atlanta in that uh, field. And that's about that time when I had my uh, talk with my my father and just said, okay, well, if that's how you feel and, you know, we'll, we'll go ahead and, you know, and change our plans, you know, and we'll begin talking about that. So that was two, maybe three years ago. But as far as the competitiveness is concerned, it was always competitive. It was competitive when I was in college in the 90s even though the internet was still very new back then, um, it was still very competitive. They just didn't know what they were doing in terms of anything online. And the irony is now we're in 2020, almost 2021 now. Everybody uses the internet every day, all day long, but they still don't know what to do with it. 
and and that's the greatest irony and and to to even put more irony on top of it the business owners who need to be online in a very assertive way the most aren't doing it and it breaks my heart you know i try to do what i can but you can only help people within reason but i'm being very serious that you know right now just about every business in the world is being affected by this by what in one in one way or another what are they being affected by covid and the economy no, no, it's true. No, I, yeah, I agree. But you mentioned they're getting it wrong, right? That they want to go online, they want to be found, they want to be first, and they're getting it wrong. And it's breaking yeah. their heart. How are they getting it wrong? Yeah, yeah. And I, I also I blog about this fairly regularly on my own blog at dms.blue. and I post about it all the time on social media, uh, mainly Facebook and, and Twitter and LinkedIn, but. There's multiple ways, really. I mean, if you look at small business owners who make up the bulk of businesses in the United States, statistically, and this is not my opinion, this is based on the Small Business Administration, statistically, the number of small businesses will go out of business within their first two to three years. And we're talking somewhere around 95 to 98%. Now with COVID, that number is probably a good deal higher. I'd say that's a safe bet. You know, it hasn't been going on long enough for anybody to really crunch those numbers yet. So if you're a small business owner, any business you can think of, and I mean, you could give me any example you want, any business needs to be online. That's a given, right? Right. But statistically still, most small businesses are not online. And those who are, have their free do-it-yourself templates, you know, Wix or Weebly or Squarespace or whatever. They're not on the first page of Google search results. They don't know if they are in most cases. They're not using e-commerce, which, hello, I mean, what business doesn't want money? I, I don't know about you, but I like money. And I say that to people all the time. What is it about money that you don't like? So why wouldn't you take PPC? Why wouldn't you take SEO? Why wouldn't you take e-commerce, social media uh, marketing and content distribution? Why no. wouldn't you take these things seriously? Well, no, I think they do. I get that there's a lot of technical jargon. Right. I understand that. But the overwhelming number of small businesses and especially nonprofits, they don't even get started in it. You know, And if they do, it's after, by the second or third year when they've got you know, already a considerable amount of debt accrued or they give it to a friend of a friend or whatever, and it doesn't really accomplish the objectives that they want. That to me is unfortunate and it's sad and you, I'd love to help them. So, right. No, I mean, look, this is all fine and dandy, but a lot of these businesses, let me, let's just be honest here, right? They change marketing companies as often as they change their underwear. Because most of these companies, they don't deliver, right? They're co And that's riders. not fun in games. Right. But they're always chasing the latest trends somebody already came up with, or they use the same old playbook for everyone with their yeah. fingers crossed. It'll hopefully work at some point. So how are you different than all the rest of these people? Because it's very hard yeah. to find the right partner because, again, the space is so crowded. There's a lot of confusion in the market. Right. Right. Well, first of all, you have to be looking for the right partner. So if you look at uh, you know, what, what I was saying before, the majority of them 
And I know because when I was a certified small business mentor for SCORE, I talked literally to hundreds upon hundreds of small business owners, startup founders, entrepreneurs, or you name it, NPOs, hundreds of them. They lost count. I lost count after a while because I'm like, look, if I'm getting four or five calls and emails every day and it's going on for year after year and nobody's keeping track of this and I'm speaking at these events and everything and people are coming up to you, and I have no idea. I just stopped counting after a while. So the majority of them, they're going to the free do-it-yourselfer solutions. And then six months or six years later, you know, depending, they're looking at it and they're saying, why am I not on the first page of Google? Why am I not getting any phone calls? Why am I not getting emails? They get lost in the technical jargon in all the different blog posts. I've had so many people come up to me and say, well, I read one article that said I don't need SEO. Then uh, another person would say, well, I read one article that said SEO should be like this or like that. And after a while, I learned, don't ever talk about tools or how to. Never. Because people get lost in the weeds. Usually, it gets lost. It's like speaking to someone in Urdu. If they don't know Urdu, they won't know what the world you're talking about. So I don't talk about how to unless I know the person is knows more about the, that area than I do. And uh, for that, I go to forums. So we start with that. And most other business owners do what I call the, you know, uh, the cart before the horse. I just wrote a blog post called that where they put the cart before the horse. I'm just going to create my free do it yourself or template and try to get that to be number one on the Google. And you hear that all the time. That doesn't help you. It creates a bad first impression. It gives Google something negative to index, if anything at all, if anyone can find you. And it also puts your name and the name of your business out there in this limited way. And it can take months or years in some cases for Google to index whatever else you may do new and catch up to that. Because if you have some old site, then you create a new site well, how are you going to transition from one to the next with the SEO and the branding and the content and the marketing and the newsletter and the e-commerce and so on? So it's a big machine. And the problem right. is usually mindset. Most small business owners don't see digital marketing as a machine, as an ongoing process. They see it as a one and done. Right, right. No, I got true. a stack of business cards. You know, I, I, I've got my laptop. I've got my stack of business cards. I got my new pair of blue glasses, whatever. They see it as, look, they told me I need a website. You know, I'll give you an example without naming names. I have a, a legacy client and she is wonderful, wonderful person. We've been together, working together now for 10 years, maybe longer. Uh, I have a couple of legacy clients that have been with me for over 10 years. And um, in both cases, I'd say, well, maybe four or five legacy clients, they would come to me and say, look, they're older, small business owners. I've been told that I need a website. I'm not online or the website I have looks atrocious. It looks like a checklist or whatever. It doesn't look professional at all. People tell me I need a website. 
So I, I need to get this checked off my list. Can you help me? And I'd say, yes, I can help you. Here's what we need to begin. You've got to be serious and committed. And we go through the onboarding process. But my point is that that way of perceiving it short changes you. You cut off the nose despite the face. So in the cases of these older legacy clients, it would take them years to come around to the point where they realize, hey, the better my company website is, the more likely I can bid on contracts with the government. Hello, the government agency is going to look at your company website and want to know, is it responsive? Is it secure? Does it have payment options online? Can I book an appointment with you? You know, do you have a staff section? Do you have annual reports? Do you have all the things that these agencies want to see? And so, so many businesses come to see online marketing or digital marketing as a one and done item and not as a service that should be growing to accommodate the business growth or that the business could grow through. If you remember in the old days when the internet was starting out, websites were referred to as portals. Do you remember that? You'd go to a company website and you would log in to look at your HR or look at your pay stub and check your hours or look, you know, download what you needed or do e-signature or whatever. Or you could clock in or clock out. Most small businesses don't use their company websites for that. And they should. And God knows they need to do it now. Yeah, no, absolutely. What do you recommend that somebody would hire an in-house marketing manager, you know, webmaster, or to farm that out to an outside company? Yeah. Yeah. I actually have a course that I'm working on now uh, called the Digital Marketing Masterclass. I'm working on it now. I have an old version up now, but I'm revising it. And I teach it from a workbook where I basically take people with this perception that they're from beginner or newbie. And then from the end of it, look, I can't make you an expert in everything, but now you know how to hire, what to look for, what to ask, what they should ask you, how to budget, you know, what, what should be a, a part of a project, um, how to define success. What should you be writing about in your blog? How often, you know, how you can tell someone who can help you legitimately make more money from someone who is basically a neighborhood hobbyist and just trying to make some money so they can move on to the next quick flip is by the questions they ask you. And whoever is listening to this, I want that message to really sink in, please. You know, don't waste time. And time is money. No, it is. Absolutely. The the best commodity in the world is time. Yeah, it's all you've got. And the older you get, if you have a health issue or something, you really appreciate your time more. I read about people who get COVID, and there's people now called long haulers who report getting COVID in March or whatever, and they're still feeling, you know, difficulty breathing. They can't, you know, they can't walk down a flight of stairs without stopping where they have blood clots or whatever. I see all kinds of different stories on MSNBC and ABC and CBS and even Fox News. You see these stories. So you really have to look at things differently. So, I I try to inculcate that point to people that this is a process. It's not a one and done. And you can tell competency from inefficiency based on the questions 
that they ask you and their concern about actually knocking this out of the ballpark for you. So knock on wood, I'm at that point now where I can say, look, if, if you're not 100% committed to this, you know what? God bless you. You're not to, for me. Whereas before reaching that pre-retirement area, I would say, I'll try to work with anybody. No, that's a good point. Now, if I was a new business and I came to you and said, hey, listen, uh, what's my best course of action here? I'm trying to rank on Google. I'm trying to draw in as many eyeballs as possible. I want to make the best first impression. Would you recommend SEO or PPC? You can't have one without the other, really. And it's not really a question of this or that because, look, you have to have SEO established first before you can have PPC, which for those who don't know, PPC means pay-per-click. And it basically refers to online advertising through Facebook and LinkedIn and, and even Twitter and so on. And different social media platforms or channels are better than others depending on what you're trying to do and who you're trying to reach and what your budget is and what you've got to communicate. So... For someone like me, for example, I'm one guy. Now, yes, I have a group of freelancers I can go to when I need help. I have a a group of four or five people I work with when a project is too big for me or I want to outsource certain aspects of, of work. But for the most part, it's me. So I might work with two or three clients per quarter. So... You you have to kind of look at first having the SEO established and having that clear so you know what to blog about, what your branding should be, how your site should look even compared to larger industry norms and competitors. You know, um, I remember when I was advising small business owners, I used to blow their minds when I would say, well, look, why is any of this unknown to you? You're not, you're not reinventing the wheel. Just look at who your more profitable competitors are and you follow their example. It's that simple. And it was, a, I don't have any competitors. No, you do. You just don't know. Say that, own it. And then you can move on from a position of authority and being informed. But everybody has competitors. Every market has competitors. Yeah, no, it's true. What do you say to the business owner that would tell you, hey, you know what? We've tried this before and the Google algorithm is always changing and our rankings are constantly changing. And listen, we're going to put our eggs and shift them into social like Facebook and Instagram because we can put ourselves in front of a very broad audience or a targeted audience and Mm -hmm. it's going to take them back to my website anyway. So why would I waste my time trying to solve a puzzle that's unsolvable? Because it is solvable. It's not that bad as people make it look out, uh, make it look to be. Now, let me break down what you're saying. So if I digress a little bit or go off on a tangent, just pull me back in, okay? Okay. Since you're the podcast host here. Uh, But basically, yes, it's true. Google's algorithm is, they change it, they update it uh, maybe quarterly, every three months, every six months, I forget. So they do. And it's a royal pain. In the old days, you could uh, jimmy SEO uh, when Yahoo was the only uh, player 
out there. I think we had Alta Vista, Excite, and Yahoo, and maybe a few other ones. I think Hotbot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dogpile, which is <laughs> a horrible name if you think about it. When I think of a dog pile, I don't think of anything I want to get near. But anyway, yeah, Google changes their algorithms. But it doesn't change SEO to Chinese or Urdu, okay? It's still SEO. So it's still a content indexing computer program. So the more content you have, the more varied that content is, the more likely you are to generate results. So I'll tell you a quick little story, if I may, that illustrates this point. Now, a couple years ago, when I was extremely active uh, freelancing and working for agencies in Denver, I had an older, a different business website than I do now. And so one day, a competitor of mine who I knew, and we were actually on friendly terms. We, we both liked each other. And he, I remember being over at his home. He had a really nice swanky condo uh, in the heart of downtown Denver with a, a fantastic view. And he would go to all the clubs and he knew everybody who knew everybody. A very, very, very likable guy. So one day he calls me up and he, and right out of the blue, you beautiful bastard. I said, hey, who the F is this? Who do you think you're talking to, tough guy? And I could tell by the voice who it was. So he said, you beautiful bastard, what did you do? How did you do it? And I said, what are you talking about? What do you mean? I didn't hurt anybody. He said, well, yeah, you did. He said, you're hurting your competition. You're hurting these agencies in Denver. So I said, well, what's going on? He said, well, you're actually number one in Google for Denver web design in you know, Denver, Colorado, which is um, not a global hub city by any stretch, but still a pretty large city with an awful lot of marketing agencies. And I said, you know, I notice I've been getting phone calls and emails like every 15 minutes for like the last week or two. So I said, let me look and see. And sure enough, there I was. I didn't know it because I, I told him it's too stressful to look at, you know, the SEO algorithms on a daily basis and look at Google Analytics every day. It's just too stressful. So he said, well, how did you do it? And I said, well, actually, I tried. I tried. And I said, what I did was I logged into my site every day and I wrote a different blog post every day. And I was updating and, and refreshing older blog posts. And I was also talking about local events and how I was uh, speaking at different local events and, you know, putting the address down and say, you know, hey, um, you know, on such and such a date, it's such and such a venue here in Denver, Colorado, or a neighboring city, I'm going to be giving this presentation. And I would post it, you know, like two weeks beforehand. And, you know, I invite anyone who's interested to attend, you can purchase your ticket here. If you enter this code, you can get, you know, 10% off or 15% off, whatever the deal was. And I'd say, now for those who really want to save money, get there 20 minutes early. And I actually let your sorry behind in for free. You know, in, in some, some rare cases, you'd get people who actually do that. But I was blogging on a daily basis. I was updating blog posts. I was updating the website pages. 
I was, you know, changing out the tags, which are part of SEO programming. For those who don't know, I was adding video content to the sites with the names of the city and state included in the titles. I was doing all of that. And I was, you know, going and speaking at different events, no matter what they were, and giving workshops and uh, presentations through meetup.com and speaking at WordCamp events and so on and promoting them as often as I possibly could and just going crazy with it. And um, through that, it was basically making Google think, hey, this guy's website is really happening. He's got a lot going on in relation to Denver, Colorado and in relation to, you know, what he says he is an expert in. So that's what did it. And I was getting, um, like I said, phone calls and emails like every 15, 20 minutes. Now, after a couple of weeks, I stopped and just said, I don't want this. Because what was happening was, yes, I'm getting phone calls and emails every 15 minutes, but it wasn't good. Because the, the people who were contacting me, they all wanted to know how much, how much. I have an idea for a business. How much is SEO? How much is e-commerce? How much is a website? How much is this, that? Like they were shopping for kumquats or something at the grocery store, not actually thinking, hey, I have a business I want to promote long-term. How can I commit to this in a realistic way so I can really move the needle? They just, how much for this? How much for that? How can I get this done overnight for as cheap as possible? That's not who I wanted. So yeah, I was getting phone calls and emails but they weren't projects I wanted. Now, after a couple of years, I was doing okay. Uh, I wasn't Donald Trump, and I don't know if that's a good uh, analogy, but yeah, I was like, this isn't what I want. I'm doing all right. You know, let's look at, you know, maybe moving to Atlanta and, you know, looking at a different agency or, you know, a big company like MailChimp that, you know, had some really great positions at that time. Uh, let's look at that. And then, you know, other things happened, but that's basically how I was able to move the needle with SEO. I had no PPC. I would occasionally put ads in Facebook, but honestly I found Facebook to be very scattershot. You're basically putting a bottle in this incredibly vast ocean and hoping that somebody's going to read your message in a bottle. The good thing about Facebook is over 2 billion people look at it every day, all day. But that's also the bad thing about it, that 2 billion people are looking at it all day, every day, usually while they're at work or while they're driving or whatever. And for most businesses, it's not really who you want to attract. You want to attract people who want to do business with you and who can not people who are more passive consumers, if that makes sense the way I'm saying it. Yeah, no, it does. I think they've evolved since then. They have this thing called social media listening where they have these bots and algorithms that can go in in a conversation and messenger. And when they're bringing up a certain subject or talking about yeah. a certain topic, you can insert organically that conversation in or an ad in front of them to where it's relevant at that time. So you get their attention right as they're talking about it. Um, but that's a whole nother subject in and of itself. But I got to tell you, David, I love the passion and enthusiasm you have for your space. I can hear it coming through and I'm sure that's why you're so successful. Now you have a very impressive client list. You know, we have a lot of business owners here and I know it's, 
it speaks to yourself, not only as a digital marketing expert, but as a business owner yourself, because you have to obviously land these clients and keep them. How did you land some of them and how did you keep them happy throughout the years? Well, first of all, let me preface that by saying when I say I'm an expert, I, I personally, I believe in being very humble because I, I know what it's like to have shitty jobs. I work for agencies, you know, where I saw sexual harassment taking place on a daily basis. I saw racist project managers. I saw all kinds of stuff. And, you know, I, I learned to be humble and I, I, I try to be. So I think it's very important right now to be humble uh, and remember what matters to you most. So when I say I'm an expert, what that means to me is, A, that you care about always growing and evolving. Secondly, it means saying, look, I've done this for over 20 years. So compared to the average person, yeah, I know more than they do about this topic and I should. So that's why I say that not out of arrogance or, you know, some kind of puff up your chest phony guru thing. Um, that's also very common right now. So you got to be very clear about that. The, the clients that I had and those who I have now are very different. So now I'm working with, like I said, two or three clients per quarter because I'm semi-retired and I don't want more work than I can handle, right? Um, and I only want to work with business owners who really are committed to this. Um, if it's some idea or something, they woke up in the middle of the night with this you know, idea and they want to see what they can get for $200 or something. That's not what I'm in it for. That's not realistic. But the clients I had before, some of those were as a result of working for marketing agencies that were considered too small for them. Because if you go to a marketing agency and your budget is below 10 grand, for example, many agencies won't talk to you. It's not worth their time because they've got HR, they've got overhead, they've got, you know, all kinds of things that they have to pay for as part of overhead with staffing. So if a business owner calls most agencies and they say my budget's, you know, two or three grand, they're, they're like, we, don't, we can't do anything with that, you know? And so that's where some of them came from where I would say, look, it's not big enough for the agency. I would go and talk to someone else and say, well, do you mind if I pick them up? In some cases, it would be a speaking opportunity where, you know, they're looking for someone to go and speak to uh, Microsoft or go speak at some event or whatever. Or I found out about something that they didn't know about. So I said, well, put me in coach. So for, for the bulk of the opportunities, it really came about as a result of taking every chance I could get. And to use a literary metaphor, it was like being Ahab's cabin boy, if you're familiar with the great novel Moby Dick. Definitely. Captain Ahab. So it was being very passionate, being very motivated, and being organized and deliberate and saying, you know, look, I want to be speaking at some kind of an event two or three times a week. Now, that's not that bad. You know, if seven days a week, yeah, that's too much. But two or three times a week, maybe on the weekends, that's doable. So two or three times a week, I was speaking at different events in the Denver Tech Center or the surrounding area. 
or I would host my own event and I would promote the holy mess out of it through Facebook and Meetup and LinkedIn and other event calendars. I'd go to Chamber of Commerce event calendars. I'd call organizations. And in some cases, I'd call them multiple times before the event would begin. Because if I don't have a yes or an email confirmation, it's not real. So I'd call them to confirm and I'd check it. And I'd make notes to myself, you know, to do that. And so that's how I would get a, a, a lot of that, you know. And I remember asking them when I was at Microsoft, can I take pictures? Can I, you know, uh, bring my wife and get her to videotape this? And he said, oh, no, you can't do that. that. No, no, no. And I snuck her in anyway and got her to take a whole <laughs> bunch of photos. But, you know, I should, I, she was afraid to uh, videotape it because they said, no, we don't want you to do that. But I wish we did anyway. But, and by the way, it was a very nice office. Oh, I can imagine. It was very nice. They had the best energy drinks, the best uh, snacks and everything. The people were all very friendly. I wish I'd gotten some t-shirts, but I didn't think of it at the time. But uh, that's really how I did it. So, you know, as, as far as like, you know, picking someone to work with and getting results, you really want someone to act like they really care. And they really want to see your business accelerate on multiple levels. And that's the thing. For me personally, I want to see the business grow on multiple levels because I, then I can brag about it. I can get, you know, I want to get a video interview with them so I can post it on my site. I want to get something in writing from them that they will not only give it to me in writing, but if somebody wants to call them and verify it, they'll say, hell yeah. So I have some testimonials and some clients like that, you know, where you can actually call them and verify it. And they'll say, oh, yeah, this is unbelievable. That's who I want to work with. Not the ones who are like, I need a website for $200 and I think it'll make me number one at Google or something because it won't. And it doesn't work that way. And I could tell, I could tell you stories all day long about clients like that who had nightmare experiences later on as a result of that something for nothing type of attitude, what I call the poverty mindset. Right, right. When, when you pull yourself out of that mindset, it's a real eye opener. And I'm not saying that everything on the secret is to be taken literally. It's not. Whether they say it is or not, it's not. You know, this whole poverty, prosperity mindset thing is not about taking it literally. It's more about just saying, okay, what do I need to do to get to where I want to be? Do I believe I can do it? If not, why? What's standing in my way? What can I do to, to try to work with that? And this whole thing about I'm going to be a millionaire you know, by next year or something. No, you won't. It doesn't happen like that. Maybe five years from now, maybe 10 years from now. I mean, it took Bezos... I don't know how long before he was even showing a profit. Right. I don't think the company even showed a profit until just a few years ago. What he did was he invested everything he made back into company infrastructure. And, and, and that's what they do. Bill Gates, I think, started Microsoft in a garage with a couple of other nerds. That's true. No, it's true. Unless, I got to correct you here, David, unless sure. you are a woman taking selfies on Instagram and then maybe there is a shot that you can make a million dollars in a year. I've seen it happen. 
Yeah, um, I've heard of stories like that. I, I don't know of any, you know, firsthand. But, you know, hey, I mean, the thing is, if somebody wants to do that, more power to them, you know, if, if that's what they want to do. It helps if you have a reality TV show also. Yeah, exactly. It's tied all in, right? It's all about branding. Now, David, before we wrap up, are you actually retired or do you have a side hustle? And the reason I ask you, have you ever seen the movie The Godfather 3? He said, just when I thought I was out, they pulled yeah. me back in, right? The creative juices are flowing. You can't help yourself. Are you actually retired or are you somewhat still involved? Um, well, I'm still involved. I still work with clients. Like I said, I'll take on two or three per quarter. But if I don't have a client lined up, honestly, I don't care. Gotcha. Now, when I say that, I look at nonprofit organizations who are doing great work. And I, I'm always open to helping them. I'm always open to partnering if they're receptive, that's a thing. And you would think that, you know, hey, if you offer to help a nonprofit, they're going to jump on that. Not in most cases, they don't. They don't know to respond or they just don't care. Or they don't think they need it. And it's very ironic. But I do get involved with some nonprofits that have causes that I believe in, who are also very committed, very sincere, and really want to see this move forward and, you know, have some kind of realistic budget range that, you know, they're willing to invest in, in order to see returns on investment. So that's the thing. It's like that. There's an old quote that I love very much from the author, um, Henry David Thoreau, who wrote, wrote Walden. And he said, build your castles in the air for that is where they belong. Now put your foundation beneath it. And I love that quote because he's telling you it's, there's no problem having castles in the air, but have a foundation so that you can actually get to that point. David, I love it. It's been fantastic. Any final thoughts or anything you'd like to share with our audience before we wrap up? I would say to see a starting a business or even having a business at all, like a relationship, because that's what it is. You're always going to be updating, upgrading, refreshing things. If you get to the point where you have staff, you have to let some go. You have to weed some out. You have to train some. You have to promote some. A company website is... It's a living and breathing organism in the sense that it has to scale and accommodate the organization and the company and the business. Otherwise, you're leaving money on the table that, believe me, your competitors won't do. They won't do, they won't make that mistake. So you always want to look at this and say, how can I capitalize on, on, online marketing in a way that my competitors are doing? How can I grow to scale and increase profits in the long term? If you're a business owner and you want that. And I would say also, I'm always here to help business owners who are sincere and who are committed and passionate. I'm very, very easy to get in touch with. All you have to do is go to that little address bar at the top of your browser and type in dms.blue. 
and you'll go to my, my business site. You'll see me all over social media. You can contact me through Twitter or Facebook or just go to dms.blue. I'm on YouTube. I'm all over the place. And if somebody wants help legitimately, and it's not spam, I'll say, hey, let's schedule a half hour or 15-minute video chat. And when it's convenient, I'm happy to try to help people if they're interested. That's great. Now, I know you take on a limited number of clients. How can they get the book? That also can help. How do they buy the book? You can go to Amazon, um, Walmart, uh, Books A Million, Barnes & Noble, and just type in the road to digital marketing profits. You can also just go to dms.blue and scroll down and you'll see a little link to my book and a little button that would take you directly to Amazon. Um, and you can purchase the workbook through Amazon. And like I said, I'm also working on some courses that are just me sitting in my home office, looking into the camera, going over a workbook, and just say, here's a course where I go over a workbook. It's going to be several hours long. And I'm going to talk about everything that I can think of in regard to online marketing to help the business owner go from zero to hero so that they're basically not seeing results to now I've got all my questions answered. And for anybody who purchases my course, I also offer, you know, hey, look, if you have questions or concerns that aren't addressed, schedule a 15 or 20 minute video call with me. I'll answer them. You can't really be more transparent than that. So uh, that's that's how I try to help business owners in as sincere a way as I can. But if they contact me and they're selling me some get-rich-quick plan or something, I just very politely just say, you know, I wish you the best, but this isn't what I want to, you know, participate in right now. And you really have to do that if you're very active online. Yeah, no, I hear you. So very last question before we wrap up here, uh, David. Sure. It's a personal question, just to get to know you just a little bit better. So sure. you're going to be on an island for the rest of your life, okay? You can only bring Great. one book, you can only bring one movie, and you can only bring one album. What would they be? Okay, one book? Yes. Oh, well, that's easy. That would be the collected, unabridged works of Shakespeare. Okay. Um, what else was there? A movie and album. One movie? Whoa. I'm, I'm saying 90% of me says Citizen Kane. Okay. One album, that's harder because I have a very all-over-the-place musical taste. But one album, if it's possible, I would just say Mozart's greatest hits. Okay. Yeah, I'll accept that answer. And I'd be living on coconuts and, and whatever else, you know. Yeah, you fish. Spearfish, yeah. you know, you can do whatever you want. Build sandcastles. It's your world, right? Okay, and I'll probably get a lot of work done too. There you go. David, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. I enjoyed talking with you. Thank you for spending time with us today. We encourage you to join the many businesses that we have helped to achieve their objectives, align their departments, and increase their revenue. You can start by reaching out to us at results at onebrokencog.com. Together, we will make small adjustments that will lead to major impacts to your business, your culture, and your bottom line.